Um, if you have your Bibles, please open to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Give you a second to turn there, all the way at the end of your Bible. Now, we're still in our Advent series for the next week or two, and we've entitled it Hope for the Holidays. And so, as we think about Advent, again, Advent is us entering into the experience of all of God's people around the world um, for, for the last 2,000 years as we wait, enter into this expectation and longing and hope for the return of Jesus. Advent symbolizes our present situation as we await Christ, just like Old Testament Israel awaited, um, just like they waited in exile in Babylon. I'll talk about that in a minute. And as they waited for God's promised Messiah. So we look back, remembering Christ's first coming, and we look ahead, awaiting His soon coming return and kingdom. And so last week we looked at the hope of forgiveness that we have in Jesus, our universal need of forgiveness, the provision of forgiveness in Jesus, and the need for faith in Christ. Not generic faith in some God somewhere, but faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, who came publicly into this world to save us from our sins. And this morning, we're going to look at the hope of home. Now, this will be a little bit of a different sermon um, but I want, us to, I want us to think about the, the hope of home together. And we're going to be looking um, at several texts, but this is the culminating text. Revelation 21, look at verses 1 through 3. It's at the end of all time, this is what John sees in his vision. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold the dwelling place of God, the home. The dwelling place of God, the home of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. I want to begin first with the idea of home. The idea of home, the thought of home. And I want to begin with just a series of questions. What do you think about when you think about home? Where does your mind go? What do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear? Who is there with you? Are those thoughts tied to a certain place, a certain time, a certain structure? What do you feel when you think about home? What's interesting is that many in this room are thinking about the past, while many others are thinking about their current situation. And while others only have a dream of home. Thinking of home, for many, doesn't conjure up pleasant memories at all. They come from very broken homes. But yet, even in that, within each of us, 
is a dream or an idea of what home is supposed to be like. For me, I can't separate home from this little town called Cockrum, Mississippi, and growing up with my grandparents on the same piece of property, with my cousins, I can't separate that out. For me, home is not just the place where I lived, it is all of that tied in together. I can't escape the thoughts of Sunday, Sunday lunch at my grandmother's home where there was always roast beef and potatoes, and there was always green beans, black-eyed peas, tomatoes, always fried ham, wonderful memories, home. Grandmother barking out orders, all of the children listening, aunts and uncles sitting around the table playing Rook, that was their card game of choice. Kids running around in the yard, climbing the willow tree. Home. The idea of home. For us, I want us to know, though, that home is a biblical idea. Home is a biblical idea. The Bible opens with God fashioning and shaping a home specifically for His people. It was home in a place called the garden. It was home, a place of belonging. Here, here I want to try to define home because it's very difficult, but there's all of these things tied in with it. It's the idea, it was a place, the garden was a place of belonging. They belonged there. It was a place where there was a loving family. A place of intimacy and relationship. A place of mutual care. A place of peace. The Bible word is shalom. A place of rest. It was a place of safety a place of security, and a place of nourishment. It was a place of joy and a place of happiness. And this is the only other thing I can say about it. It was a sacred place of blessing and fellowship. A sacred place of blessing and fellowship. What you have in the garden, if I was going to, if I was going to spell it out a little further, what you have in the garden in Genesis is God's people in God's place under His rule and blessing. God dwelled among them. They were at home with God Himself. The peace of God, the blessing of God, the shalom of God rested on them. But something happened just two chapters into the Bible in Genesis 3. Paradise was lost. Home was lost. It was broken and destroyed through rebellion and sin. Our first parents... Adam and Eve traded home with God for sin, rebellion, and exile. That's the word, exile. We were exiled from the place we had only known as home. It was tragic, horrifying, heartbreaking, and home-wrecking. But even in that... God promised, even as He exiled them from the garden, that He would send a descendant of Eve who would crush the serpent and make things right again. But until then, they had to leave their home. Until then, they had to leave their home. Which brings me to my second point. Not just the idea of home, which is a biblical thought. I want to talk secondly about our longing for home. Our longing for it. This yearning and this desire, this inescapable intuition that we have for home. Since then, we've all been longing for and reaching for what was lost. 
every human being created in the image of God intuitively grasps and longs and reaches and aches and yearns for that which was lost. Now, we all get glimpses of it here or there, right? We all get glimpses of what was lost here or there. We see passing shadows of it because we see so dimly in this world. We hear echoes of Eden all around us if we pay attention. That's really what we're thinking of when those thoughts come, into our, come flooding into our hearts about home. We know that there was pictures and glimpses of, glimpses of it even in our broken homes. There were moments of peace, glimpses of joy, moments of security and happiness and joy and belonging and intimacy and fellowship and blessing and sacredness. We hear echoes of it all around us, but due to our rebellion and sin, all of us also know now that paradise has been lost. And we're all pilgrims. We're all sojourners. We are all homesick. All of us. Homesick. We all have a longing in us to return to the home that was lost. Now the Old Testament continues after Genesis 3. The Old Testament continues from the fall with God moving to bring his people back home from exile. He's prepared a place for them. He longs to dwell with them again as their father. So he makes a promise to Abraham. This guy in Genesis 15, he says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to give you a place, a new home. And I'm going to be your God and you will be my people. By the way, the fulfillment of that was the text we just read in Revelation 21. And God says, I prepared a new place as home for you. It's a place called the promised land. And Abraham begins wandering, and he never saw this promise come to fruition. Though Abraham had God's promise, he did not have God's abiding presence, nor was he in God's place. He was a sojourner, a wanderer, a pilgrim. And the Old Testament marches on. The children of Israel, hundreds of years later, end up in Egypt. And they're 400 years of slavery, still longing and waiting for those promises of Abraham to be true so they can come home. And God sends Moses to rescue them and deliver them from Egypt and lead them on an exodus to the promised land. And they end up wandering again for 40 years, never before ever stepping foot in it. There's something interesting about this journey. As they wander in the wilderness, they, they begin their journey going towards the promised land out of Egypt. And it's as though God is intentionally leading them back to the garden. It's meant, we're meant to connect those ideas. That they're, them going into the promised land, is, it's, it's as if they're going back into the Garden of Eden. Why do I think that? Because when Adam and Eve are exiled, they're cast out east of Eden. And God places an angel there with a flaming sword to guard the way back to the garden. Well... What happens when the Israelites what happens when the Israelites are being led by Joshua they march all the way around the promised land to the east so they can enter to the from the east they're going back in and who does Joshua meet he meets a, an angel standing with a flaming sword it's the picture that they're going back home god wants them to connect that idea so they enter the promised land as a picture of going back into the garden. It's not really the garden. But they're not fully home yet. Why? Because God is not dwelling again with his people. They might be going into the promised land, but God is not dwelling with his people like he did in the garden. 
So, what do God's people do? They build a temple so, they, so that God can dwell among them and near them and with them. And so Solomon builds a temple in Jerusalem hundreds of years later where the priests can offer bulls and goats as sacrifices for the sins of the people. And at the dedication of the temple, Solomon says this. Listen, Solomon's connecting these ideas. God must dwell among his people for us to be back in, in God's place under his blessing at home with the Lord. And Solomon says this in 1 Kings, he says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this house that I've built? So that's the real question. Will God really dwell among his people at the temple? Well, God's glory does fill the temple, and his presence is manifested among, among the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. But there's still a huge problem. So God does come to dwell among his people in the temple. But there's still a huge problem. What is it? All of God's people aren't welcome in God's presence. They're not welcome. What caused their exile in the first place has not been dealt with. Sin and brokenness still separate God and man. His holiness precludes their welcome into his presence. Though they built God a home, his people cannot enter into his presence. Only one priest once a year and then with ropes and bells tied around him in case God strikes him down. They're not welcome in his presence. It's not much of a home, is it? If you're not welcome among, if you're not welcome to dwell with God, to see, his, see him face to face and not be destroyed, that's not much of a home. Though they built him a house, they cannot enter his presence. God's promised redeemer hasn't come. God's promised redeemer hasn't come who's going to make all things new. God's people continue to sin, and the sin of Israel eventually leads to the destruction of God's temple and their subsequent exile to Babylon. But once again, and once again, they are still a people longing for and hoping for home. But there's still hope. Just like there was hope in the garden that God would send a deliverer, now as they're exiled in Babylon, there's still a hope. Which brings me to my third and final point, the hope of home. The hope of home. You see, God sends prophets during this time like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Micah and, they, and Malachi. And they promise, they prophesy of a coming hope. The promised Redeemer will come and bring redemption and restoration to God's people. They promise that God will not only bring them home physically, back to the promised land, but God will bring them home spiritually. Hundreds of years of silence pass by. What is going to happen? Is there really hope? And then the New Testament opens with this angelic announcement that the promised Savior and Deliverer is coming and He's bringing hope, He's bringing salvation, and He's bringing home. Home. This idea of home. Now what do I mean by that? And that's where I want to spend the rest of my service, uh, the rest of my time together because I have, I have five truths about how we have hope and how Jesus brings us the hope of home. Here they are. Number one, I want you to notice that in the Christmas story, Jesus comes to bring home to us. He comes to bring home to us. This is the Christmas story. This is the idea of the incarnation that God came to make his home among us and in us through Christ. Not just this temple. No, no, no. God himself comes in the person of Jesus to dwell among us. 
himself. If you remember, John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, made his home among us, tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in Jesus, finally, after all of this history, God is finally again dwelling among his people. He is here in person, in the flesh, dwelling among his people. Emmanuel has come, God with us. God suddenly comes to his people as the Old Testament prophesies. But here's the issue. I mean, here's the, think about this thought. When he comes, he's not sitting on a throne. No, instead, he's humbly come to peasants and shepherds, and he's lying in a manger in Bethlehem. He makes his home among the lowly and the broken, among the outcasts and the downtrodden. He shows us what home should be like through his humility and love and service. Jesus comes to bring us this idea of peace and comfort and fellowship and intimacy and blessing and sacredness by bringing home to us. He's not just calling us home he's bringing it to us secondly and graciously Jesus welcomes us home through the gospel see this is this is what's happening here think about the prodigal son in Luke 11 Jesus tells this story of this son who squanders all that the father has and tells the father he wishes he was dead and asks for his inheritance before his father has died. And he goes off in this other country and squanders everything on riotous living, even serving pigs and eating among them and just wastes his life and throws it all away in rebellion and squalor and, and riotous living. The Bible says that he comes to himself and he recognizes that he misses home. That there was a place where he was loved and welcomed and he had blessing and security and he had thrown it all away. Oh, it's almost like Adam and Eve again. I think God wants us to connect that story. And what does he do? He comes to himself and says, I'll go back home. And I'll prepare a speech and I'll say, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just let me be a servant. Let me just serve your among your servants. Let me come home. And so it says, the Bible says that Jesus is telling the story. You can see the love in his eyes and the inflection of his voice. And he says when the son makes this journey home, his father's looking down the road and sees him a far way off. And his father cannot wait. No, his father picks up his, girds his loins and picks up his, his robes and he runs to his son, and his son doesn't even have time to speak, and he grabs his son and pulls him in and says, son, you're home. You're home. You've repented. You've recognized what was lost, and I welcome you home. I welcome you home because of the gospel. Think about this. When we come home through repentance and faith, rebels and traitors are given a seat at the table of the Father. They're adopted and welcomed in and given the family name, radically changed by the grace of the gospel. They experience a new birth by faith and are now sons and daughters. This is the promise of the gospel, that those who only deserve God's judgment will instead will instead, because of Christ, receive welcome. 
They'll be welcomed home as a long-lost son or daughter, no longer separated by the temple restrictions or by the curtain or by this priesthood that must stand between us and God. No, God will draw near to all people through the gospel. You're welcomed. God will dwell among his people and you will dwell with him. So Jesus welcomes us home. Jesus comes to bring home to us. Jesus welcomes us home through the gospel. Third, home is the promised reward of the gospel. Jesus, when he comes, in, Matthew, in Mark, excuse me, I got a little emotional, my nose started running. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark 10. This idea that home is a promised reward of the gospel. In Mark 10, Jesus tells this story. He says this, he says, Jesus said, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father. There's no one who's left home. There's no one who has left their version of home. Brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mother and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. The issue is we get a new home when we come to Jesus. We get a new father and new brothers and sisters. All of our missionaries that are now serving on the field all around the world, they've left brothers and mothers and sisters and houses and lands. But the reward of the gospel is a greater home, a greater treasure. One that is eternal. Home is a promised reward of the gospel. But then fourth, I want you to notice this. Home is a present reality in Jesus. It's a present reality in Jesus. The Christian who has come to Christ by faith has this promise as they enter into this new relationship with Christ and his Father. Listen to John 14, 23. This is a text that you should commit to memory. John 14, 23. Jesus makes this promise. He says, if anyone loves me, or here's the condition, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's John 14, 23. Jesus says that if we come to him by faith, if we love him and walk with him in fellowship, that him and the Father will make his dwelling place with him. That God promises to make home a present reality for his children. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now you've heard this saying, home is where the heart is. You've heard that saying, right? Home is where the heart is. The Bible would say it this way, home is where Christ dwells. Home is where Christ dwells. Jesus brings home to our hearts as he makes his home in us. So as we sing this season, let every heart prepare him room. Because he promises to come and dwell in his people. Let there be nothing in my heart that is offensive to Christ because it is his home. 
Home is a present reality for us in Christ. So as we walk through this world, think about this, as we walk through this world and all of the brokenness and all of the failings and falterings and all of the ever-changing movements of our life, as we walk through difficulties and heartaches and our homes change and, sh- and, and we lose loved ones and all of this brokenness that comes to fruition, Jesus promises that in the midst of all of that, I will make my home with you. You will never be left nor forsaken. I will come and dwell with you. I will walk through this brokenness with you. I will be as close to you as your heart. I am with you always. And then here's the last thing I want you to see this morning. The hope of home. As I conclude, I want you to know this promise. One day, Jesus will bring us home. One day. Because of the gospel, the hope is one day Jesus will bring us home. Home. This is the promise of Revelation 21. Let me read it again. Look what he says in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's a new home. That's a new home because the first earth and the the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Look at this place. He says, and I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, come down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is the home of Jesus and his people. This is the home of Jesus and his bride, the church. And he says, and behold, I heard a voice from the throne saying, this is all of history, right? Home was lost in Genesis 3. We were exiled in Genesis 3, lost from the presence of God. And then this is the promise at the end of all things. Behold, the home of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. God one day will make all things new and make his dwelling place permanently among his people in the new heavens and new earth. And our new home, our new home will include a new glorified body that is able to enjoy and delight in God forever as we dwell with Him and see Him face to face. For many of us, that day will come when we in death put this body aside so that we can be at home with Jesus. But the promise is nonetheless true. One day, for all of us in this room, Jesus will bring us home. Paul connects this idea in 2 Corinthians 5. I want you to turn there really quickly as I wrap this up. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to be there so you can read this with me. I want you to connect Revelation 21. And first and second Corinthians five in your minds. Listen to what Paul says in Second Corinthians five. If you're there, say Amen. All right, read this with me. I'm, I don't read it out loud, but follow along with me. Listen to what Paul says there. He says, "For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, that's our body, by the way. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God." A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. 
Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. Now pay attention right here. For we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Now listen, this is our hope. Our hope, the hope of home, it is the hope of being home with Christ forever. That is the definition of eternal life. Being home with Jesus forever. All of the shadows and all of the echoes and the fleeting glimpses we have of home throughout our lives, those things we long for that we long for in the past, that we look back at with fondness or even with despair. Every partial joy, every passing moment of peace and shalom are just the aroma and the remembrance of what was lost in the garden when we dwelled with God when we were at home with Him. But it has not been lost forever. Through faith, we now wait on the day when Jesus will bring us home. That moment will either come, as I said, when each of us close our eyes in death, or in the moment when Jesus bursts open the sky to bring heaven home to us. Until then, until then, we patiently wait with our aim being to please Him. We wait ready to stand before Him. So I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. Are you ready for that day? Sinner, are you ready to come home? You that do not know this peace and shalom of home, are you ready to come home to Jesus and make your heart a home for Him today? Are you ready? We sing a hymn that speaks this way. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. See on the portals, He's watching and waiting. Watching for you and for me. Come home. Come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. What is he calling? Calling, oh sinner, come home. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading? Pleading for you and for me. Why should we linger and heed not his mercies? Mercies for you and for me. See, the deepest longing of your heart is not going to be satisfied in any home you're a part of in this life. As good or as perfect as it might be. It can only be an echo. It can only be a shadow. It can only be a passing joy or a fading fellowship. There is no home without Jesus. We were made for Him. Today, if you don't know Jesus, come home. If you're here today and as a Christian, you just need to pray. You need to come and repent. You need, like the prodigal, to come home. You do that. And we're asking if you're looking for a church home that today would be the day you say, I'm going to make this my home.
home here as I wait with Jesus with my family. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would speak and move. As Father, we know that only you can by your Spirit. So, Father, we ask that the hope of home would be a present reality in our lives by faith as we trust Jesus. Speak to us now. We pray this in Christ's name.